Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only play. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they have built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. I'm Emily Laster, and on this show, we're interviewing trademark attorney Allie Elmunzer. On this episode, Allie talks about the importance of entrepreneurs educating themselves on trademarks and her desire to educate all female entrepreneurs on legal steps they need to take to help their business grow. Allie, we're so glad to have you here. So Allie, you are a, tell us all about yourself. You're a trademark attorney. Yes. So I am a trademark attorney. I work primarily with women online entrepreneurs, just helping them to really protect their business, understand the importance of having trademarks, you know, having the correct legal elements in place so that as you do grow your business, you are growing it legally and you're not having to worry about the legal side of things. I really work to make it educational, educational and accessible to all parties so that it's not intimidating as the law can be. Yeah, it is so true. Now, did you start out wanting to work with influencers? Like where, where did your legal career begin? Yeah. So I actually started in commercial real estate when my legal career began. So, um, I was really working, you know, kind of in a firm, just kind of dealing with that life. And I just realized that I didn't like that lifestyle. And I was following a lot of entrepreneurs and I just knew that I didn't want to work for someone else. Um, And so as I kind of got into the entrepreneurial space, once people realize that you're an attorney, they, of course, are like asking you for legal advice nonstop. So I was like, well, if all these women in the entrepreneurial space need help, why am I not tailoring my business to serve them? So that's... um, kind of how that happened. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, I'm an attorney as well and practiced for 15 years and now have moved into the advising space and 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 with the wealth edit. And I mean, that's probably one of the number one needs that Lauren and I see with entrepreneurs, um, women that, you know, have a great idea, want to start a business and then, but they don't, like, it's hard to know what those steps are. And then like, what type of attorney do I hire? You know, especially yeah. when you're in a smaller town where, there isn't like a specific attorney that is tailored for that. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. And I think that those big firms are very intimidating, right? They want you to even either pay a large retainer or their, you know, hourly fees are exorbitant and you're, they don't understand even like how you can have a business. That's a blog. What is an influencer? Like all of that is like, so beyond, you know, the traditional things that they work they work in. So I think it's good to have someone that, you know, actually understands is on the ground and is an entrepreneur herself to understand exactly the needs of, you know, my fellow entrepreneurs. So, yeah. So when you meet with somebody who is just wanting to get started and is like, okay, what, what should my first step be? Like what, where do you suggest women start? Yeah, I think the big thing to start with is making sure that you understand what your business entity is. So we're talking about sole proprietorships, LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, whatever that might be. But I think what happens a lot of times is people just go ahead and start their business, which is fine as a sole proprietorship. But as they grow, they don't understand the liability that they're putting on their personal lives on their families when what they should probably be doing is stepping up to an LLC so that they're granting themselves, um, you know, and their families that protection. So with the LLC, you are shielded from liability only. It's 
you know, totally limited to the business. You're not putting your personal assets at risk, right? So I think once you're starting out, you start to see, okay, this is going to be more than a hobby. That's when you want to go ahead, file to be an LLC. So you have that protection. Now, what that means is that you do need to file taxes as an LLC. And then you also need to make sure that you're using a separate bank account. This is the biggest thing I see is that people don't start separate bank accounts for their businesses. And the reason to do this is because once you tell your state government, okay, I'm an LLC and they say, okay, we're going to grant you these protections. The next thing is that they're going to say, okay, you need to have a separate bank account. If you use your personal bank accounts, then you are piercing the corporate veil, right? You're basically telling us that you don't actually want those protections because you're mixing your business and your personal funds. So the biggest thing when you start your LLC is make sure you also, after you get that LLC designation, start your own bank account, pers uh, business bank account, and be ready to file taxes. That's right. And I think that's a great point because I think as we, you as, I mean, it, us having gone to law school, it makes sense because that's what we learned, piercing the corporate veil and all that, you know, and it's kind of beaten to our heads, but then you get out there and you realize like, no, I mean, anything that's in those corporate documents that you say you're going to do, whether it's annual meetings or keeping minutes, depending on if you, how you've set yourself up, you, you have to follow all of that. And it needs to be like a part of, you know, reminders on your phone, like, whatever it is that you need to keep up with in order to maintain that separation is so important. Yep. And for sure. I hundred percent agree with that. And I know that like for us being attorneys, it's easy to understand, but that's why I try to, you know, spread the word about how important it really is. So. No, I think that's great advice. Okay. So after that, so you get set up, you get your separate bank account, you get your corporate documents figured out, which then you have to kind of dig into the tax implications of both of those. And then after that, okay, so here we are, you know, you're trying to then figure out, okay, what agreements do I need to have with the people I'm interacting with? And where do you go from there? Like, what are some of the most important agreements you have, especially with um, like an influencer type job? Yeah. So, I think if you are an influencer and you are going to be doing brand deals with, you know, other businesses, then I think what people miss altogether is having an agreement in place, right? I think a lot of times what ends up happening is that we do these deals in the DMs, right? People say, I want you to, you know, sell my product. I'll give you $50. You say, okay, and that's the deal. But then there's a lot of issues that can come up with that. So I think that you always need to have an influencer contract. Most brands will provide this because they want to protect their investment in you. But if they don't, then it's a really good idea to have an influencer contract that you can send to the brand. Um, on the other side, if you are a service provider, say that you, you know, are a coach or, you know, you provide services to other people like I do as an attorney or an accountant or anything like that, you want to make sure you have a service agreement to put in place with your clients, right? So that you're laying out exactly what services are you providing for them? What's the timeline? What are the payment amounts? What's the payment timeline? What happens if something goes wrong? Like who can terminate? What are the termination terms? And then other things such as confidentiality, non-disparagement, which means not talking bad about each other should something happen, as well as the standard kind of legal clauses like choice of law and 
um, those kind of more legalese topics that should be in every contract. So the last thing that I also think people forget about is an independent contractor agreement. And what this is, is if you are hiring someone to do work for you, right? But you're not hiring them as an employee, say you are hiring a graphic designer to create social media graphics for you. That would be an independent contractor. So you want to have an agreement with them in place, similar to a service contract, but basically laying out what they're going to do for you, as well as saying, listen, you are not, an, you are not an employee of mine. You're responsible for your own taxes. You're responsible for your own benefits. You need to keep anything I provide to you, you know, private, Anything that you create for me is a work for hire. I will then own the copyright to it. So it's super important because I've seen a lot of times where people team up, not realizing that, you know, one is working as an independent contractor and then things get stolen. It gets very convoluted and relationships get ruined. People don't get paid. So it's always a good idea to have an independent contractor agreement in place if you're working with someone outside your organization. And one of the things we say all the time is clarity is kindness. And, you know, even though it's a little uncomfortable on the front end to say, these are my expectations and kind of just go there and, you know, dig in, it is so much easier and so much um, the, the relationship is usually longer, you know, when you go in and you take the time, even if it's uncomfortable, especially if you have not been an entrepreneur for long, I know, like just kind of going from the legal space into the entrepreneurial space, mm -hmm. some of these conversations have been a little uncomfortable because you're just not used to having to negotiate on this side, or at least it's been for me. And so it's like, clarity is kindness, talk through exactly what your expectations are, and have at least one person on your team that's willing to dig in and read the fine print of everything. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I think we need to normalize contracts not being a bad thing, right? Like, so I recently was representing a client who was an influencer and we were working with a management company and this management company was using as a selling point, the fact that they didn't have a contract, right? They're like, Oh, we trust our clients. They trust us. And I was like, I see that as a red flag. Mm -hmm. Things are a lot easier when we both understand what the terms are. So I think we need to normalize having contracts and agreements that it's not a scary thing. It's like, you wouldn't just like go into business without a plan. That's how, what a contract is. Like you wouldn't go into, in a, you know, a, working with someone else without a plan in place and knowing what you're both going to do. So I need, I think we need to understand that a contract is a good thing. And to me, any place or any company that doesn't want to have a contract with you is a red flag. It's like, well, why not? Like that just leaves the door open for issues. Like why would we want to start a relationship like that? So I think we just need to, to make it that the standard you know, in this entrepreneurial space is that when doing business, there are contracts in place and that's it. Yeah. And Allie, on your website, you have made this fairly easy to accomplish by having some forms on there at an affordable yeah. price, which is great. Yeah. I tried to make a way so that people could have access to these agreements that they didn't have to hire a law firm or hire me, you know, to do this for them because when you're doing something custom in law, it can get expensive. So I created these templates that were specific to industries with people I work with, right? So influencers or coaches, service providers, there's an independent contractor agreement on there so that you can buy the template, 
fill in your information and then use it again and again. Just an easy way to have that agreement on hand because I cannot tell you how many people like come to me scrambling being like, oh, this person wants to work with me, but I don't have a contract, you know? And it's like, so you'd have something on hand ready to go for any client you're gonna work with, so. Yeah. I love that you've done that. That just, it's so helpful, especially when you're just getting started and you're on a tight budget and you just, you wanna do it well, but you're scrambling. Like, I feel like, like you said, it's sometimes overnight where you're like, uh, actually we need this and where do we go from there? And I'm an attorney too. And you know, but again, yeah. To draft something from scratch is yeah it's difficult especially if that's not your area of expertise exactly uh, for sure so one of the an, another topic that we would love to kind of dig into a little bit is like trademarks and copyrights because that's something that comes up all the time and it's definitely you know one of the more complicated um parts of of the legal world so can you give us maybe outline just some basic principles when it comes to protecting your work product? Yeah, for sure. So um, the difference between trademark and copyright, just the super quick version in case anyone that doesn't know, a trademark is what is you know considered a source or a brand identifier, right? So that could be your brand name, your logo, your slogan, your tagline, if you are you know, a coach and you have courses, programs as an online educator, masterminds, those titles can all be trademarked, right? So basically a trademark is identifying the source of a goods, right? A copyright is basically something, an idea that has manifested into something physical that you are protecting, right? So the second you take a pen, write something down on paper, you automatically have copyright over that. If you, you know, print up a workbook, right? Like you created a workbook and had, you know, it designed and laid out, you automatically have copyright protection over that workbook. A photo, the second you snap the shutter, copyright protection attaches. Now, some people say, do I have to file with the US government to have copyright protection? And the answer is no, you automatically get copyright protection. However, if someone, you see someone infringing on your mark, so say you had like a really great photo and now you see someone with that photo on a t-shirt and they're selling the t-shirts that would be copyright infringement that's when you would have to go ahead and file with the government so that you could then go and pursue legal action and litigation against the infringer um so those are kind of the differences between the two and i know people get them confused a lot because i think they're used like interchangeably a lot um but they're very different very separate so what if someone, I think this gets a little hazy with everything that's on the internet. So like, how do you know, if you create a course and it's called, you know, we're hanging at the French Quarter Inn in Charleston, and then someone else is like, has that same course somehow oddly on the internet. <laughs> like, what to, I mean, and you're a small business, so it's not like you don't have the money to like sue this other internet entity, you know, like tell, tell us what you think people should do about that. Yeah. So, okay. In the U.S., when trademarks are involved, we're a first to use jurisdiction, which means that whoever's the first to use the mark gets the protection, not who's first to file. And the reason is because if I was sitting here and you have this course, um, whatever you just called it. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> something, something first, French Quarter in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's such a good name. And I ran to the trademark office before <laughs> you and took that name. 
that's what they kind of want to avoid in the US, right? So if say you were first to use it, I came along, you noticed I was using it too, right? So I'm the infringer. So what I always tell my clients to do, because people come to me very upset, right? That they see someone using a similar name, which I totally understand, but they're immediately like on the attack, like, let's get them. <laughs> I say the first thing to do is just send a friendly email, like, or if it's someone's using, you know, something on Instagram, send a DM, right? Hey, you probably didn't realize this, but I'm the owner of this. I started it, you know, maybe mention the date, you know, we're a first use jurisdiction. I would appreciate if you stopped using it. If yeah. that doesn't work, a lot of times it does. You know, a lot of times people are either like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize, or they're like, oh, she noticed, like, I'm going to take it down. So say they're like, we don't care, like, go ahead. Then what you, the next thing you would want to do is send a cease and desist. And you can do that yourself, but it's always more powerful to hire an attorney to do that because getting a certified letter from an attorney has a lot more weight than just a letter from, you know, an individual. So you would send a cease and desist, basically saying like, listen, you're infringing on my trademark. You need to stop. If you don't, I'll pursue legal action. Now, yeah. a cease and desist holds no legal weight, right? So they don't have to act because of a cease and desist. You're basically putting them on notice. Like, hey, I know what you're doing. If you choose to ignore this, if we go to litigation, this will be used against you that you chose to ignore this, right? So that's kind of the second step. The third step is to go forward with litigation. But I will say in my experience, it usually doesn't get that far. Like people, you either don't realize they're infringing and will stop, or they'll give you a little pushback, but we'll stop. But once they get that cease and desist and they realize you're serious, they usually will back, back off. And can this happen after you already have a trademark? Like you've already filed, no one's come up, like someone can still come back like five years later and be like, oh, I actually used this first. They can. And if they do that, then they actually have to go through the process with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. They have to file an appeal saying that, you know, they owned the mark first. And so it becomes the burden of proof is then on them um, to have to prove that they actually used it first. So that's why I always tell people first to use, first to file. Right. So just because you're first to use doesn't give you universal rights. It's going to put you on, you know, having to you know, prove to the trademark office once they've already issued a trademark that you actually used it first. That's a lot harder than if you just go ahead and you file a trademark when you first use it and decide that it's part of your brand, a brand identifier for your brand. So I think that the best thing to do first to use it, first to file it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so tell us, this is switching gears a little bit. I know we have a couple, a few minutes left, but like you have built such a strong presence on the internet and like arguably a field that isn't, you know, like known for our internet stardom. So tell, tell us how you, how you've done this, how you've thought about building your, your internet presence. So you can get your message out to more influencers and more, you know, service providers. Well, I think you said it perfectly where it's not an industry that a lot of people are doing it, right? Like traditional law firms don't do it that way. You know, like they are very corporate, very standard, you know, like their graphics are horrible. They're like, you know, it's just not, they don't market that way, right? It's like almost too innovative for them. So I kind of saw this gap in the market where I understood my target audience. I understood what entrepreneurs wanted. And I, you know, knew that not only the good content and, um, you know, providing education to them was important, but aesthetics mattered too, right? So putting, you know, 
the effort into making my Instagram branded, you know, having a quality website that, you know, really appealed to the target market. That's when I kind of knew I could, you know, grow on social media and kind of stand out in exactly what you said, a field that's not known for that. And that also worked, you know, for me, right? Because there weren't a lot of people doing the same thing. So I kind of stood out and I can't tell you how many inquiries I get from people searching like trademark on Instagram and being like, oh, we saw all the stuff that came up, but your feed looked the best. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Like that's the goal, yes. But I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, that that stuff really does matter. Yeah. Well, and we always say, I mean, people buy with their eyes. I mean, you know, I mean, we're drawn to the branding and the aesthetic so much more than I think we even realize. I mean, you want something that's relatable. And how neat that you serve your clients so well because you're you're doing it as well. You understand how it works. It's not just, you know, I'm sitting behind here and talking about the legal side of it. Like you really understand the practical steps that they're taking and how hard it is and how quickly things come up that you weren't expecting, you know, as an influencer, yeah. as an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that sometimes it can be hard to find trusted advice, you know, especially on the internet. So, yeah. you know, I, sorry, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Now we yeah. can. Sorry, you're frozen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it froze on my side too. Sorry, I don't know if that, what, what happened? Yeah, it happens. Um, so what I was saying was, can you tell everybody like how, where to go to find all your information and like, what's the best way to interact with it? Like if you know your website, you've got templates, you've got advice, you can contact you. Yeah, so my website is influencerlegal.co, so .co, and there exactly I have my shop where I have templates. I also have a course um, for people starting out and growing their business. Um, it's called Unlocking Legal. So if you just really are trying to learn like all those different elements you need to have in place to grow your business. So I have that there. Um, I also have, you know, blog, podcast, and then you can reach out to me if you want to work together. And then really the best place to interact with me is on Instagram. I'm at Attorney Alley and I answer all my DMs. I also try to share a ton of information um, to answer any question you might have when it comes to trademark and legally protecting your business. Well, we have just loved this. This has been so helpful and we were so glad that we found each other. These launches are so amazing because it really feels like when we do a launch in a city, we love to highlight the women in that city, what they're doing. And, and Charleston is such a town that is just filled with creatives and you've taken such a yeah. creative spin on, you know, practicing law, which is great. And so just are really grateful for the women that have stepped forward and said yes to the wealth edit. So our favorite question to ask people as we're ending a session is why did you say yes to the wealth edit? Well, I said yes, because I really, you know, appreciate and understand the mission that you guys, you know, have and the women that you're serving and that you're, you're not only educating, but you're also empowering all of us, you know, to embrace growing businesses and making money and just normalizing being women leaders in positions of power. And I just love that. So. Well, thank yeah, you so much. Well, we'd love to have you thank back. You. Um, if you I ever would love that teach a mini course at the Wealth Edit. The Wealth Edit is a membership too, so you can join. Um, it's annual or monthly and there's a link in our bio. So we hope that anyone that tunes in today will, will join us. Um, we love to share resources like this. So Allie, thank you so much. We're so glad to know you and, um, and we hope that you have a great day.
Same. And thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and be a part of your community. And it's a pleasure. So thank you guys so much. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.